0: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can
0: help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. This This is is the game of roses. Welcome to the game game of of roses. I get tagged in a cute little TikTok reel on Instagram of Miss Katie Thurston speaking about Nick. And I watch it and I'm just very, very confused because she starts it off. Someone says, Why does Nick Vile hate you? Or does Nick hate you? Or something. And she says, Nick Viall is blocked from my phone. Welcome
2: to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
1: This is Bachelor Clues. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do something there. I don't know. I don't know if that worked or not. But
2: Gore Girl Summer Pace Case Spring Break. What do they have in common? Clues. You tell me. They're over. It's Wendekia season, baby.
1: It is Wendekia season indeed. And there's a lot of stuff heating up during this Wendekia season, as we have predicted accurately. All of our predictions here on Game of Roses are 100% accurate mm-hmm. at all times.
2: Clarendale are married. Not many people know that.
1: I did not predict that. I predicted the opposite. And my. <laughs>
2: yes, you did. You said they would get married. Episode one it would be their wedding.
1: But. Uh- We did predict that the sauce wars would be bubbling over the pot, and indeed they are. This week, so much has been going on in Bachelor Nation with regard to the lies being perpetuated by the show about what it truly is about, finding love, and yet, no, it seems to be about destroying these two friends, Uh, all of the tea that is coming out from Clayton Eckerd talking about how he feels mistreated on his season, flying in the face of what the producers think, everything that's happening between the great one, Nick Bial and Katie Thurston, this is all Sauce Wars. We are gonna be covering all of it in this week in Bachelor Nation, and rest assured, not this coming Monday, but the following Mondays, digging deeper, I'm not going to survive it.
2: Nope. Just the clip that we played at the beginning of this episode alone, we have so many things to say. Clues is going to die.
1: It's absolutely nuts. What The thing that that we played at the beginning of this episode with Natalie Joy on Bio Files with Nick Vial, kind of trying to take down Katie Thurston for telling everybody in one of her TikTok lives that she blocked Nick Vial. That's the tip of the fucking iceberg because everyone in Bachelor Nation is reacting to this, including your favorite Bachelor Nation podcast, Clickbait, and that shit. I don't, I don't know how to even describe <laughs> the feeling I have inside when I'm listening to Grocery Store Joe defend... Nick Bial, all this shit. So that's coming in a week.
2: Horniness? Huh? Nothing.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) I said horniness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh God.
1: No, it's it's closer to rage, which is, for me, comforting. We do have a little bit of business before we begin today's program. Game of Roses currently has a limited edition green logo tote bag that you can pick up at gameofroses.co and and 50% of the proceeds from this tote bag are going to go to the National Network of Abortion Funds. So you can get some of these for all your peacocking endeavors, and you will also be doing good for a good charity.
2: Abortion is healthcare. And now for the segment where we discuss something going on in the world of The Bachelor. Game,
1: game, of, game of Roses. Roses. State, State of the game. Of the game. We felt like after watching this recent night one of season 19 that it was the most malicious treatment of any ex lead we've ever seen. So we went back and we thought to ourselves, have there been any other villainous kind of leads? And yeah, there have been a few. So we rewatched Andy Dorfman's season 10 night one and Becca Kufrin's season 14 night one to compare how they treated Juan Pablo Galavis and... Ari Dyke Jr., who were up to that point the two most hated bachelors in recent history, certainly vilified on their uh, subsequent seasons for their treatment of both Dorfman and Kufrin.
2: Yeah, Juan Pablo was vilified for his treatment of Claire Crawley as well. In Andy Dorfman's Night One, we start off, Dorfman said to her father in her opening intro package something like, I hope you scrutinize these guys a little harder than you did last time. Or some some tiny little joke about a father grilling her potential spouses. That's
1: it. And then she had one of her 25 limo exits mentioned Juan Pablo, and it was peripherally. Patrick, a 29-year-old ad exec from Newport Beach, California, exited the limo with a soccer ball and said, I play soccer, but I assure you, I'm not like the last guy who played soccer uh that was a reference to Juan Pablo, but he never mentioned his name. And that was fucking it. That was it. All the way through all of her limo exits, those are the only even subtle nods at the guy that wrecked her in fantasy suites that uh victimized her to such a high degree she became the next Bachelorette.
2: It's pretty much the only scene in that intro episode in which they even reference the previous season. Yeah. That those slight Juan Pablo references. It's all about they go through Andy Dorfman's job. They talk about how excited she is. She has her sister fly out to go look at what her night one dress is going to be. It's like leading up to this grand event. And in my mind, Juan Pablo was you know, known as the most hated bachelor. And Andy Dorfman became the bachelorette because of his victimization of her during their fantasy suite round. And she got mad at him, told him off, and then she's the next bachelorette. But they barely bring it up. They focus on her, her career. And I'm like, this compared to, I mean, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but when Dekia, we don't see, you know, yeah, these glimpses into their life.
1: There is a magic in that season. And in all seasons from that era, I think, where they do a very good job of promoting the idea that The Bachelorette, she is the star of this show. And this is all about her and her journey. Look how beautiful she is. Oh, she's getting ready. She's taking down her uh, law degrees in her office to come out, and it's like, it's the getting ready montage, it's the talking to the family, they really build you up, and they get you excited for the journey that this woman is about to go on. None of that was President and Wendekia. So then we also looked on to another special season, Becca Kufrin's season of Bachelorette. That was, of course, season 14. And so, if you'll remember, in Bachelor season 22, uh, Ari Leyendijk crushes her in the end he chooses her as a ring winner and then goes back on that dumps her in a horrendous what seemed like a fucking hour long uh
2: a quote-unquote uncut scene <laughs> yeah
1: quote-unquote uncut scene of him dumping her and then he he chooses his second choice uh for wife now lauren line his wife and mother of his children but the kufrin season is a little more sinister it opens on a shot of Becca Kufrin sobbing, tears rolling off her nose, and we get a whole recut of that dumping that she endured at the hands of Lion Dyke at the end of Bachelor 22. So we do get a taste of Ari Lydike as the bad guy, but then she talks to her mom and her sister, they both literally say this is how it meant this is how it's meant to be. Ari's name is never brought up. We get a funny kind of tongue-in-cheek handling of Ari when he they show a little segment where he's getting in quotes banned from the state of Minnesota. So they're even joking about <laughs> it. It's like lighthearted, you know, the villainy. And she has two limo exits that reference him. One guy has a cardboard standee of Ari. So you do get like a uh, to see him visually. But the guy sets it up and he says, I just wanted Ari to see. He doesn't use his name. He says, I just wanted him to see how happy you could be. And then one guy comes in wearing a race car driver suit. And he gets out of the limo and he says, I'm not a race car driver. I'm a lawyer. That's it. They don't mention Ari's name at all. And then Chris Goose Randone, the former husband of uh, Crystal Nelson, he exits the limo with a choir, very much like Alec did on the Wendekia Night One with his children's choir. But instead of singing a song called Ari Sucks, they sing a song about how everybody's getting roses in heaven. It's about how people, everybody <laughs> deserves a rose, deserves a chance at love. It is a an uplifting song. It's promoting the idea of love, not tearing down the prior bachelor. And it really is about like the tone of these Night Ones that occurred, again, Becca Kufrin's wasn't that long ago. Neither was Andy Dorfman's, really. But they were in the uh, Elon Gale era.
2: You might know him as Elongate.
1: Right, or Elongate. <laughs> but, um, you know, he he was able to walk that line between do, setting up these sinister kind of scenarios that players would fall into these traps and be destroyed. But the tone, how they made the show then, it was ju- you were just excited for it. And the Council of Crowns that Becca Kufrin had I don't know how to describe what that even is like in to, by today's standards. You'll never see anything like that again.
2: Why don't we have them? I get that we have COVID and stuff, but Becca Kuford met with the GOAT, Caitlin Bristow, the GOAT, Rachel Lindsay, and a member of the Two Million Club, JoJo Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> like, those four all sitting together Discussing Becca Kufrin's hopes and dreams is just so different from what we saw on our night one. The the goats all go around to the front and show where their first kiss was with their ring winners. They're all in successful relationships at that point. I believe Caitlin is still with Sean, the other guy at this point, Sean Booth. And having the Council of Crowns really adds this like, you're entering into this kind of sisterhood of crowns of people who are in this coveted position versus (laughs) today when we have (laughs) Wendy and Rekia clinging on to each other, just trying to hold on, hoping for something.
1: But I don't think you can have that council of crowns now. Who do you get? Michelle Young. Maybe you could have her, but she's uh, in a failed relationship now. She's not, mm-hmm. she doesn't have any good advice to give you other than like, make sure they give you $200,000 and a fucking job on happy hour. They've
2: brought in, they've brought in cr- single crowns before. I remember Chris Soul was on accounts of crowns and he was like, don't do what I did.
1: Well, that's Souls though, but let's keep going back. You're going to bring in Katie Thurston. She ain't coming. You're going to bring in Claire Crawley. She ain't coming. Tasha Adams. <laughs> she ain't coming.
2: When you put it like that, they are burning all of their leads.
1: Yes. Exactly. the current producers are malicious, they are vindictive. they are trying to tear leads down and as a result, that sense you had in Kuferin season that it is a sisterhood that once you go through this you're part of this family that is gone. No one wants to be part of this family because they treat their family members like pure shit. and we saw it evidenced in Windeckia with what they did to Clayton Eckerd. They literally had a a uh, choir of children singing Clayton sucks. It's unfucking real to me. Yeah. And then they get pissed that, like, well, why is the show doing bad? It's because you're mean to everyone always. That is not what this show is about. And I'm telling you, I encourage you, both of these are available on Amazon. Andy Dorfman's entire season and Becca Kufrin's entire season. Just and the an episode costs like a dollar ninety nine. Go get the first episodes of those seasons and rewatch them. It will blow your mind, especially Andy Dorfman's. The the tone of it, it was just, oh my God. As Lizzie and I were watching it, we're like smiling and laughing and shit in a way that we have not in a long fucking time because that tone is gone now.
2: It was fun. It was like, oh, and then we got to see all these limo exits of all these players who have gone on to do great and not so great things. I mean, the reason that we went and rewatched these was just because of this bad feeling that we had because we felt like there was an entire section, maybe five limo exits in a row where everyone made fun of Clayton. And that's not, That's not the guys. The guys aren't like, you know what? I'm going to focus my thing on making fun of Clayton. Maybe someone did that, but it's a bad idea. You want to focus on the journey ahead. You want to focus on the promise and how amazing this season is going to be. Not like something that they're probably going to end up having to do themselves. People fall in love with more than one person. Like Ari Leindyke basically did the same thing as Clayton. He fell in love with multiple People and then changed his mind yeah. and slept with multiple people like that. That is the show. And to villainize Clayton for something I'm pretty sure the producers goaded him into declaring to them all at the rose ceremony from hell. Anyway, it's it's not something where you're like oh, I want to tune in. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth.
1: But it also it it decays this idea that once you reach that status as a lead that you will be respected within the game within this world, Mm -hmm. within the nation, if you will, you know? And it used to be that way. Whether you were... Like, Chris Soules is a great example. Like, they bring him back in a Council of Crowns, completely failed his season, and then ultimately goes on to kill someone, etc., etc. That guy still, at that point, was like, yeah, bring him back. He's a bachelor. That thing of, like, Mm -hmm. he's a bachelor, she's a bachelorette, that's gone now. And I think it's all because these producers are actively trying to destroy their leads. They believe that's what this show is about. And I'm not saying it's not. You just can't be that overt (laughs) about it. You know what I mean? You you do, I think, want to jump or build to a fence jump moment, um, potentially. But it doesn't have to be that. Like, remember in Pilot Pete's season, the fence jump moment, in quotes, the thing that they built all the promos around was Sweet Numb saying, bring her home, bring her home to us. And it was more about a mystery. Bring who home? And why is she that emotional about it? (laughs) So you thought that maybe there was something crazy that happens. And certainly, who is this person they're talking about? All you want is a mystery. There is no mystery when somebody's like, get me out of here. It feels cruel to be here. There's no mystery. I know exactly what the the fuck they're talking about. The producers crushed them.
2: I... I love the idea of the mystery, and it generated all of these fan theories. They were like, "It's Hannah Brown," "It's so and so," blah blah blah, is pregnant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Julie LaPlaca was thrown around as maybe who she was talking about, a producer on the show that people started to find out Pilot Pete knew outside the show and stuff. <laughs> they were like, "It's her." I mean, there were there were wild fucking theories, but like, that's kind of the fun of the show is you want to you want to find out what's going to happen in the end, just like any other narrative show. In the more recent seasons, it's like, we know what's going to happen in the end. These people are going to be pushed to nervous breakdowns. They're going to have psychological breaks from reality. There is no joy in any of this. And I don't think there is for um, the producers. Well, I mean, there is joy for the producers in their kind of like vindictive pettiness. But I don't think that they're trying to achieve joy anymore. I don't think they're trying to get to a place where like anyone winds up happy. They only care about that shot of somebody weeping on the Mm -hmm. stairs. And it's like, let's get as many of those as we can.
2: I mean, they could have easily just been like, Grandpa John, this is what we need you to say. How dare that young man come in my house and treat me that way?
1: Sure. You don't even need that.
2: How about that? Someone shits on Grandpa John. We're going to wait to see that whole thing. We're going to... That's the villain.
1: Why even talk about it? They didn't... Like, for example... I mean, they did do this in in Kufrin's opening. They did recap the dump. But in Dorfman's, they didn't. You don't ever see Juan Pablo? It's like, here's who she is. She's a badass lawyer who's taking time off of this to come do this thing. And here's who her family is. They wish her well. She has the nice dresses. Her sister's there. She's like, I can't believe I'm the bachelorette. They really promote the idea of bachelorette as like something incredible. And to Mm -hmm. get to do this is a very special honor. Well, in this season, clearly, it's not that special because there's two of them. But also the fact that we got no opening intro packages about who these women truly are. And I know that there's two of them. So it's like hard to do that. But, you know, why not cut down the time on them complaining about Colton or Clayton, sorry. Goddamn. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, you don't have any shot of either of them at their job except for faking it to get to LA.
1: Yeah, and there's just so much of it that's <laughs> fake about them being friends and, oh my God, there's fucking Rachel Reiki is flying in the plane over my head. All of this kind of like stilted bullshit that is completely not real. It, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't give you any sense of what these old seasons used to, because there's not enough time and attention paid to it. It's like these pale echoes of like, well, we got to have a shot of her driving because that's like the journey beginning. Oh, we need a shot of her Mm -hmm. packing a bag. Okay, well, it's nothing if it's not attached to something else. Packing a bag to leave what? What is she leaving behind? What is she sacrificing to be here? That type of stuff.
2: I mean, her dog. Yeah, right. We saw Quick Pops. (laughs) Quick pops of that to the point where you don't know who anybody is. They don't take any time with it. And guess what? There were some cuts they could have made to the episode, a.k.a. every time we saw Wendekia chatting with each other on that bench.
1: Yeah, plenty of cuts.
2: Saying what they're going to do.
1: Mishandled top to bottom. But again, it was invaluable to go back and rewatch these two seasons. And I I mean, I would love to do all of them, actually. It also gave me a real taste for the hyper binge. I know. Again, but... <laughs> When you go back and you look at what the show used to be and you know we're going to talk about the ratings later not that that necessarily means anything exactly but back in these other eras it was just the respect that they gave the lead was different and that needs to return Because what is happening now, no one fucking likes it. When you have leads coming off this show and every other week in page six, it's them saying how they felt mistreated and that that's not who they really were. That's your fucking lead. The only person you really have to protect in the whole system of this as a producer is the lead. The show fucking rests on their shoulders. And if you don't protect them, if you are actively maliciously trying to destroy them, the show falls apart. If your lead can't stand up, they can't hold your fucking show up. And none of them stand up. They're all crouching in the corner, fucking crying by the end of or laying on a fucking staircase, sobbing.
2: I mean, how was Clayton supposed to stand up? His first intro was him reading mean tweets about himself. He didn't get an intro either. It's like,
1: yes, these current producers, I don't know who's listening to this. I don't know if anyone gives a shit who could even do anything about it. You got to get some new producers. Whoever's at the top making these malicious decisions, it has to stop. And I'm not even saying that you can't do malicious shit in it and set them up for a few things here and there. Of course, we do like to see that shit. I'm not saying we don't, but it can't be the main theme of every fucking episode. You know, you can't do that and then have us give a fuck about them. If you as the show are shitting on these people, what the fuck are we supposed to do as an audience?
2: What are we watching? How are we emotionally invested? I was invested. Andy, night one, I was like, she seemed humble. She seemed articulate. She was like, I'm ready for th-. She seemed like someone about to meet her husband. She wasn't, but she seemed like it.
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you another <laughs> thing about Andy Dorfman's season. When you see Nick Vial step out of that limo oh, for the first oh time, fresh-faced and young, and you're just like, oh, fuck, there he is. It's worth it. Go back and watch it. It's like $1.99 on Amazon or something. (laughs) Uh
2: Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) We just wanted to share this little uh, comparison of, you know, victimized bachelorettes and how they discussed the villainous bachelors that put them in the position they're in today. And wow, has it changed.
1: God, it's unreal. I just can't stop thinking about, like, really... I don't know when this exactly started. I feel like it probably was Pilot Pete. I I feel like it probably was Mm -hmm. right after Elon Gale literally left. Because I remember with Popeye, you had those moments where they were doing shit to him, like the Chase Rice moment. The singer? Yeah.
2: Chase Rice, the singer?
1: That moment was straight malicious. There's no good point to doing that. It's not helping build a relationship, nor is it giving us like that walking the razor's edge of like, oh, fuck, maybe they're trying to fuck with him a little bit. It's like, Jesus, this is just like a blatant thing out of nowhere to wreck everything. And then when they started doing those, when they made the players in Australia all stay in the same room for Fantasy Suites, the fin- the three final women, mm-hmm. that was pure maliciousness. The
2: panic attack room.
1: Then when they did to Pilot Pete twice, told him that this, the I forget who it was, it was Hannah Sluss and Madison Pruitt, that they're not, coming to think that it was just a lie. Like they were obviously coming. They just lied to him to get him to have a nervous breakdown. So you're like watching that shit and you're like, okay, something different is happening here. They're really torturing the lead now. And then every season after that, it just got fucking worse and worse to where it seemed like combative, where the producers just are like, fuck the lead. They think they can control this show. Fuck them. We control everything. That's what the show feels like now. And it can't yep. feel like that.
2: You know what? I had this memory of us seeing evil Juan Pablo clips at the beginning of Andy Dorfman's season because I was like, yep, yeah, that's why she was picked because she told him off and everyone loved that. And then I realized it's probably not, obviously it's not in an Andy's season. It's not in the beginning of it. That's where it would be. Yeah. But I think they brought it back up again for Claire's. So I think that's what I'm thinking about. They showed the clips of her yelling at Juan Pablo, right? And then they they leaned into vilifying him in that in that moment. I mean, they even had him go to lunch or her go to lunch with um with a French dude, right? They didn't yeah. include that, and that was more recent.
1: Yeah, it, it's just weird too that you're you're hinging your lead's entire identity on victimhood. Whereas when they become Mm -hmm. leads, it should be about empowering them that now they're in the driver's seat. They get to make the decisions. They get to find the person who's best suited for them. And this season, Wendekia is like, not only are they playing that victim card hard, the whole tone of it is like, well, what are you going to do if you both like the same person? So even in that question, they're taking away their agency. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. shit, we don't know. That's not how this is supposed to work. We're both supposed to be finding the best person out of this pool of 32 for us. And if that's the same person, then we're kind of fucked. And you guys have set it up that way. And you know you have.
2: That's why I think Wendekia should team up, make a bilateral agreement, and force an all-eggs one basket on night one. They did not do this, obviously, but I think it would have been good.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Make them pick. If you're the fucking lead, make no mistake. You control the show if you want. Because once the cameras are rolling and the fucking contract, the ink is dry on it, they can't turn around. They can try to manipulate you into situations and stuff, but like they can't kick you off the show and get another fucking lead after a night one is complete, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. They've spent too much money.
1: Exactly. So you do have some control in it. I think, you know, Gabby Wendy, and Rachel Recchia, maybe they feel like too beholden to the show. I don't know. I know that that's like a, a strong piece of how they can make leads compliant, but... Anyway, we just wanted to discuss where we feel like the game is now after we saw this just batshit fucking crazy night one complete with a commercial in the, in the middle where Dark Lord Palmer is saying, your fucking boyfriend's a pile of human shit. Kick him in the balls and come get on The Bachelor. Like even that, the maliciousness of that.
2: Dump his ass, cut off his dick and join us on The Bachelor.
1: You should fucking murder him in his sleep and pretend somebody else did it, and then fucking come on The Bachelor. We got your back.
2: Blow his ass up on TikTok. Make it so he could never date anyone again, and then come be in our player pool.
1: Come up with false accusations that he cheated on you while you were (laughs) pregnant, and then come on The Bachelor. It's just fucking... Oh, God, just that tone.
2: It's a good meme format.
1: It's like you can't have that fucking <laughs> malicious tone and have your audience on board with it. That's not why anyone's tuning in. Even us, even us cold-hearted, cynical motherfuckers who watch this like a pro sport, I don't like the maliciousness of it. I, The third audience, the producers, are a part of this game, and you must play against them, for sure. But once it's so fucking malicious... That there's, like, no play to ever be made against them. What's the fucking point, you know?
2: It also, like, night one, the fact that there were no steals, it looked like it's just completely produced. Yeah. Like, no one has a chance to even do better than you might have thought.
1: Right. And the keeping around of all fucking 30 players, whatever, 29 out of 32 players, that's also very clearly because the producers fucked up. Didn't get enough camera time with all these people because they're doing the girl chats about like, oh my God, I gave my first impression rose to this guy. What'd you do? I did a kiss. Oh, I walked around a little bit. How many drinks of water have you had tonight? Oh, 15. How about you? 19. Oh my God, we've had so much water. You know, whatever the, the thing is, I'm just making shit up obviously.
2: Show us the missing water tapes.
1: Yeah. Show me the water tapes. I'm just saying that they clearly mishandled the production of Night One, which is why all of those guys are still there. That was not a choice of Gabby, Wendy, and Rachel Recky.
2: Or do you think it's a direct attack on Gore trying to mess up our calculating of our Q scores?
1: No, because this season is like... It's a, a different mechanics anyways. It's going to have its own weird uh, measurements. Hmm. Anyway, that is the state of the <laughs> game. And we hope that it, it corrects itself. I think it's going to have to soon because all the numbers are pointing to whatever they're doing ain't fucking working. Which brings us to our next segment, where we are going to talk about all of those numbers. We're going to be talking about those Instagram numbers, those TikTok numbers, and those television ratings numbers. This is...
2: This Week in Gains.
0: It's
2: good to be back reporting on the gains of the players in this current season, but we also track the ratings of our beloved game as it airs. So before we get to who put on the most followers this week, let's take a quick look at how the season opener did not only in comparison to the other network shows that aired Monday night, but also how it measured up against other recent Bachelorette Night Ones.
1: The historic Night One of season 19 was the worst rated season opener in the show's history with a .72 in the 18 to 49-year-old demo with 2.97 million total viewers. That said... The Bachelorette did manage to double the ratings of its next closest network competitor, which was a rerun of The Neighborhood on CBS, which came in at a 0.3, but did outdo Gabby Wendy and Rachel Recchi and Raw viewers with 3.35 million. So even though these numbers are the lowest we've ever seen for The Bachelorette, in these final days of broadcast television, <laughs> a 0.6 is still the best rated show on TV.
2: Just how far have these ratings fallen over time? For comparison, we thought it would be interesting to give you a rundown of the last 10 seasons leading into this Monday's premiere. Way back in May of 2013, Desiree Hartsock premiered with a 1.9 in the demo and 5.99 million viewers.
1: Andy Dorfman in 2014 climbed up to a 1.97 with 7.17 million viewers. Kayla Bristow in 2015 drew an impressive 2.1 with 7.1 million viewers. And then the decline began. JoJo Fletcher in 2016 had a 2 with 6.62 million viewers. Rachel Lindsay in 2017 had a 1.78 with 5.55 million viewers. Kufrin in 2018 had a 1.4 with 5.49. Hannah Brown in 2019 continued the decline, 1.35 with 4.77 million Then in 2020, Claire Crawley saw the only increase in the past 10 years with a 1.4 in the demo and 5.03 million total viewers. I think this is likely due to increased anticipation at the end of the COVID hiatus. And then the decline returned with Katie Thurston in 2021, turned in the first sub-1 demo number in Bachelorette history with a 0.98 and 3.77 million viewers. Later that year, Michelle Young continued the downward trend with a 0.79 and 3 million viewers. And then we arrive at this week's premiere again with a 0.72 and 2.9 million viewers. Now, this is network television. We've long talked about how overall all ratings are declining. Fewer and fewer people are watching TV in this way, although these numbers are still how networks make their ad money. So the numbers are still important to these giant corporations. And this is what's going on with The Bachelor. Now, let's move on to some numbers that are actually. Increasing.
2: These are our gains as of today, July 14th, 2022, since ju- last week, July 5th, 2022. For the crown gains, the race 2-1 million between Gabby, Wendy, and Rachel Recchia. Some might call this horse race the Blanco race. Mm. The lovable dingbat Gabby Wendy continues to maintain the lead, gaining 43K this week bringing her to 513K total. Rachel Rachel Rekia picked up 28K, bringing her to 374K total. Neither gained much on TikTok. Wendy gained 2.6K, bringing her to 28.1K total. And Rekia gained 4.6K, bringing her to 57K
1: total. Interesting to note that Instagram gains. We got Gabby Wendy basically doubling the gains of Rekia in week one. I think this is going to remain roughly the trend. I don't think this gap will ever close. Mm. I think Wendy is going to run away with this. And I feel like this double the number is going to be about correct for every week.
2: I'm curious to see also, Rekia is still winning in TikTok. Is Gabby going to step step up her TikTok game? Mm. Is Rekia going to lean into the fact that maybe this is where she thrives? Time will tell.
1: There's going to be one very interesting week, which we saw in the promos, where it looks like two guys refuse Rekki as Roses in favor of Wendy. And I'm very curious to know, will that victimization play? Will she get a big bump from that? Or will, Mm. because she's being victimized kind of indirectly by Gabby Wendy, who's going to get those guys' affection, will that come across as Wendy is winning the game? And will that give her the bump? That week is going to be very interesting to chart. And I feel like that's probably coming up in the next two or three.
2: But these are pretty sizable gains for week one, despite the ratings being lower. I think we can note that Gabby Wendy gained about the same amount as Katie Thurston did on her first week on Instagram and Thurston did hit 1 million at one point. Now let's move on to the top five Instagram gains chart for the players of bachelorette season 19. The top five Instagram gains. Gold medal in gains goes to Tino Franco. He gained 3,196, bringing him to 4,783 followers total.
1: The silver medal in gains goes to race car enthusiast Jordan Vandergriff. He gained 3,038 followers, bringing him to 7,947 total.
2: The bronze medal in gains goes to... My MVP, Mario Vassal. He gained 2,759 followers, bringing him to 6,516 total.
1: Fourth place goes to Avon Jones. He gained 1,965, bringing him to 4,603 total followers. And
2: routing out the top five, fifth place in gains goes to Eric Schwer. His fence play gained 1,961 followers for him, bringing him to 3,773 followers total.
1: All right. So you got both in there that kind of makes sense you got the race car guy i don't know we'll we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. here i mean (laughs) we'll see what happens here i'm not i'm not too uh i'm not too hopeful for any of these guys and their social media careers you know do you think we'll even see one person break 100k this season
2: i think we'll see the top three break 100k
1: but i also feel like once they get up there Some of these guys are going to be like in love with both of them, and they're going to take a fucking hit when they do that because they're going to get villainized. You better believe it. And we know what happens to fucking villains. You start hemorrhaging followers. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year, and when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses.
2: Clues, Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock.
1: we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims support for today's episode comes from one skin if you have sensitive skin you're going to want to hear about one skin's scientifically proven topical supplements this is face eye body shield
2: Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at Oneskin.co. That's 15% off Oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. We'll see. Now for the top five total Instagram chart, this has, as you can probably guess, pretty much remained unchanged for the first week. Who's at number one?
1: The Magic Man, Robert Roby Sobieski. (laughs) He's keeping the lead so far with 34.6K total.
2: Quincy Williams maintains second place at 9.1K.
1: Chris Austin is a close third with 8.6K total.
2: Jordan Vandergriff comes in fourth place at 7.9K total.
1: And rounding out the top five is Alec Garza with 7.6K in fifth place.
2: And now for the top five TikTok chart. So we have 32 players. We only have 10 players' TikTok accounts that we know of. Is this, what is going on? Why do none of these players have TikToks?
1: They're guys. The guys don't get the social media game.
2: Guys, get in the game. Number one, Alec Garza holds on to first place at 22.5k TikTok followers.
1: Matt Labaugh has 15.6k.
2: Chris Austin is in third at 8.9k. And the twins are in fourth and fifth place with 6K for their joint account. They had the biggest gain on TikTok this week, 1.1K.
1: Congrats to them. But that rounds out all the gains, all the numbers that we use to talk about our beloved game. Now it's time to move on to that portion of our program in which we discuss all those luscious tits. This is... bachelor nation news we've had an incredible gore girl summer a stellar pace case spring break and last week we were examining the instagram accounts of the current crop of rookies in bachelor season 19 so it's been a second since we've brought you bachelor nation news and some big things have happened so we're just going to run down a few big headlines that have occurred over the past few weeks that we haven't had a chance to deliver before we get into the news of the week Two big relationships, for example, within the nation have unfortunately dissolved. Katie Thurston and John Hersey have split, as well as Michelle Young and her ring winner, Nate Olicoya. Sad to hear it, but did predict it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're 100% accurate predictions. Tear Booth is pregnant, (laughs) expecting her first baby after Taylor mock engagement.
1: Peter Weber, we found out, almost signed on to be in Bachelor in Paradise Season 8, but (laughs) it it did not come to fruition, sadly.
2: How did we not get that? The Bachelor's Sydney Hightower married football player Fred Warner.
1: And Bachelorette alum Chase McNary got engaged to Ellie White and Luke Pell, if you remember him, is engaged to Amanda Mertz after four years of dating. Congrats to all of these new engagements within the nation. Now, on to some more contemporary Bachelor Nation news involving the male Instagram goat himself, Tyler Cameron. The former competitor on Fox's defunct Dirty Dancing reality competition has moved on from his romance of model Camila Kendra in an attempt to find love with another model, Paige Lorenz. Lorenz sports 344K Instagram followers to Kendra's 468K. So it is a step down for the dimpled steak eater, but at least he's keeping his romantic endeavors in the blue checkmark tier of the gram. We wish the new couple well.
2: By the way, speaking of Tyler Cameron, I found out that my friend shot that Uncommon James video. Oh, really? Tyler Cameron and uh, Kristen Cavallari.
1: Oh, that's cool.
2: Speaking of new couples, up next in Bachelor Nation News, One half of the chatty broads, Becca Martinez, is now officially off the market. She took to Instagram to reveal that her longtime partner and father of her two children, Grayston Leonard, proposed and she accepted. Big congrats go out to Becca and Grayston on making it official.
1: And speaking of official, official gore girl, (laughs) <laughs> Ivan Hall launched his much-anticipated podcast with DeMar Jackson. It's called The Vibe and features these two favorites of the nation discussing dating, life, and our beloved game. We sincerely hope you give it a listen when, wherever you get your podcasts. Good luck to Ivan and DeMar as they begin their navigation of the treacherous waters of the Bachelor Nation podcast seas.
2: They already got Dale Moss on, so they're already succeeding.
1: I know. That's a pretty big get. Yeah. <laughs>
2: In the wake of a Bachelorette night one that featured more petty character attacks on a former Bachelor than we've seen before, the ultimate Viking Clayton Eckerd told Page Six that he was disgusted by how he was portrayed on his season 26 of The Bachelor. While Eckerd took responsibility for his actions, he explained that he felt the narrative presented in his season was not entirely accurate or reflective of who he truly is as a person. We feel like we're constantly discussing the now infamous line by GSJ on clickbait so many months ago, it depends who you wind up being. And in this case, Eckerd has wound up being someone he feels he's not. It is incredibly brave for a lead or any player to stand up to the producers in the current climate where we're actively seeing vindictive actions taken against players who speak the truth. But we hope that Eckerd and other players like him will help turn the tides in the sauce wars. Thank you, Ultimate Viking. For your service
1: and perhaps the biggest news of the week involves the season 17 bachelorette Katie Thurston and the great one Nick Vial, and by extension, his significant other Natalie Joy. In a TikTok live on July 10th, Thurston revealed that she blocked the season 21 bachelor from her phone after a less than pleasant DM exchange with the tattooed former software salesman. Then The very next day, Vial and Joy used their platform on his podcast, The Vial Files, to respond with an attack against Thurston for, at least in Joy's mind, inappropriately referencing players from her season far after that season had come to a close. Is this the start of a parasocial rivalry that will last through the ages, or a well-designed play by Vial and Joy to maintain relevance in an ever-increasing sea of former players and their partners? We don't know, but we wish all parties involved big gains and continued impressive parasocial play. Did you follow this?
2: I love these rivalries.
1: Yes, I do too. They're fantastic. They they put those players front and center. We had the craziest <laughs> fucking night one that we've seen in a long time that we mm-hmm. talked about for however many minutes at the top of this show, but all anyone gives a fuck about right now is this is nick vial natalie joy and katie thurston Mm -hmm. and are they really feuding what the fuck is going on whose side are you taking and we know all the company podcasts by the way are rallying around Nick Vial. And in many cases, they don't even know the details. They just hear a, a fucking line. They read a line and something a producer sent them, and they're like, Nick Vial knows what's up. Katie Thurston, she should fuck off because she is persona non grata. <laughs> Katie Thurston is one of those leads that the producers don't like anymore. So none of the official Bachelor podcasts like her either. And that's how it's going to be. Vial has ridden the fence. So he's not mm-hmm. on this side. He's not on that side. But now... They're claiming him. The company podcasts are claiming him. They're trying to pull him off that Ooh. fence to the company side. And I don't know if he's going to go or not. I guess we'll find out. And I love that Natalie Joy is also like becoming a foot soldier in the sauce wars here. Maybe inadvertently. I don't know. Or maybe she's ready. Maybe she's fucking happy to be doing it.
2: I love Natalie Joy jumping in here. Get in here, girl. What are you doing? You're, you didn't play a Bachelor Nation. Who cares? Give your start attacking.
1: I'm going to make this prediction now. And I assure you it will come true, as all my predictions do. I don't know how old Natalie Joy is now. I believe 21 or 22. When she is in her Uh, 25 to 30 phase, I'm predicting she will no longer be in a relationship. She will become single. And she will enter the game.
2: It sounds like a threat.
1: I'm not threatening anybody. I'm I'm simply predicting.
2: (laughs) We, you've predicted she would join the game before.
1: I know. But I am I think she's going to wait until she's 25. Look, not only is this a prediction, this is just some uh, unsolicited coaching. Not only, Joy, if you're listening, <laughs> wait until you're about 25 <laughs> or 26, become single by any means necessary, and enter our beloved game. You would fucking crush it.
2: Is this how you're getting my Al, on the pod? This is not going to do it.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm not. No offense to anyone involved. I'm simply looking at this as a professional sport that I think she has a good chance of not only playing but playing at a very high level if that's something that interests her. If it's not, fine. If you've got your true love and all of that, more power to you, happy for you, good luck in the relationship, hope it all works out happily ever after, all that. If that's not the case, and you have some years to find out if that is the case or not. I
2: believe in true love, so.
1: Okay. You know, you said it, not me. I believe in the power of our beloved game (laughs) to bequeath unto you massive riches through parasocial powers. And I think Natalie Joy is in a very unique position to come into our game with a certain history that she's already attached to it, but has never played it. I mean, she is in Bachelor Nation. In my opinion now, especially with this Katie Thurston thing, she's cemented herself as a fixture in it. As much as like anybody on clickbait or anything is.
2: I mean, no one on clickbait went on Call Her Daddy. Sorry.
1: I agree she went on call
2: her daddy. She became call her daddy. She was like, I am call her daddy now. I am the daddy. Katie Thurston, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, like, I think we're seeing this in the Sauce Wars more and more. It benefits both parties to be in this parasocial rivalry. It doesn't matter if they actually, like, how they actually feel about each other. I, yeah. Look, Nick and Katie are such good players. I wouldn't be surprised if this has been scripted the whole time.
1: A little bit. I I don't know. I have no actual information on this, but as soon as it started happening, I'm like, these motherfuckers know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I think even if it's not scripted, they probably understand it could be. You know what I mean?
2: They get it. But, okay, here's here's my prediction. It's all scripted. It's leading into the launch of Katie Thurston's podcast, which I assume will be the day that her contract expires, August or whatever. She launches the podcast. She has Nick Vial to squash the beef on for the first episode.
1: But instead of squashing it, he just fucking fans the flames. That's what you got to do. You got to come on under the auspices that you're going to squash the beef and then you just make it even crazier.
2: She drops the rest of their text messages. It's not him on the pod. It's someone else. It's another sauce, yeah. uh tea person who's her co-host.
1: We'll see what what comes of it. But right now, it's all anybody's talking about, including Clickbait and all of the other podcasts.
2: Don't you think that would be a good podcast? Katie Thurston, Chelsea Vaughn.
1: Yeah, Katie Thurston and anybody, I think, would be a good podcast. But uh, yeah. we are really in this moment now where the sauce wars have spilled out. It's not just about like behind the scenes shit on the show. Now it's like, Somebody sent me a DM. I blocked them. Fuck you. You talk too much about Mm -hmm. what's going on on the show. And meanwhile, Natalie Joy, I don't know if you've ever um, heard of this guy sitting right next to you, Nick Vial. This motherfucker literally did a Patreon where he goes back and rewatches his entire (laughs) season and has the people who were on the season with him talk about the other people on the fucking season. And he did that like three or four years after his fucking season aired. He makes a living at it. So does Katie Thurston. And I know on clickbait, they're like, well, it's okay for Nick to do it because he has a podcast. It's like, yeah, and Katie Thurston has how many hundreds of thousands of fucking TikTok and Instagram followers? It's just a platform. Whether you want to use a podcast or your fucking social media, it's all the fucking same. And once you are a lead from the game, in my opinion, you're going to be talking about it until you die, especially if it's how you make money.
2: I am. Do you hate me, Natalie? (laughs) Talking about The Bachelor too much.
1: Yeah, talking about too many players from seasons that we were never on.
2: Yeah, I can only talk about Caitlin Bristow's until most seasons because I was on them.
1: That's true. You were in the document. (laughs) But now we are going to move on to that portion of our show where we talk about all the plays that the players are making off the field and on those screens that we're holding in our hands. This is...
2: The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. Gabby's FIMP winner and my MVP Mario Vassal posted a simple reel on Instagram where he jumped transitions from pajamas to his night one suit. This reel has 39.2k views. Love to see the rookies getting into it. I was surprised there weren't more rookie parasocial plays, but again. Two-thirds of them don't even have TikTok accounts.
1: I agree. And they're guys. Disappointed. The sauce wars started to boil over this week and everyone was getting chippy in a related parasocial play. Blake, Baila Horseman, called out Nick Vial in his Instagram stories over his hypocritical comments about Katie Thurston. Baila posted the infamous Joy Vial video about Thurston with the caption, this has to be a joke, Right. This man has talked shit about me for four years because he can't get over, in parentheses, even though he tells everyone to get over everything, my text release from BIP, in parentheses, for an actual big deal. Then he releases text for something as stupid and benign as this. Crying face, crying laughing face emoji. Biggest hypocrite in the world, my God, skull emoji. This is the Saucers, ladies and gentlemen. And I just, I have to say, I love it. I love the fucking sauce wars love because it. it feels like finally some true light is being shed on this fucking bullshit. The lies of it all, the circumstance of it all. You know what I mean?
2: Everyone who has a bachelor podcast saying you shouldn't talk about bachelor people. It's, it's wild. I didn't I never um subscribed to Nick's Patreon about the exes, but I'm sure he made a fuck ton
1: of money. Of course he did.
2: And did he pay them?
1: Don't know. That was my next question. Do not know.
2: Yeah. Very curious about that. Katie Thurston made not quite a wars play, despite her wars place, in another tea spilling Q&A on Instagram stories. In it, she confirmed she's in the pit and wasn't coached by clues. Quote, the question is, were you in the pit before going on the show? It's an image of a woman feeding a horse or donkey in the bushes. And she said, nope. And I was not coached by them. They were one of the few podcasts that talked about contestants in a way that didn't feel personal. It was all gameplay. It was an easy listen. Thank you, Katie.
1: Indeed. We strive to do just that.
2: Easy listening. That's our beloved recipe.
1: (laughs) Coinciding with The Bachelor premiere on July 11th, a group called Roses for Everybody launched a call for diverse body inclusion starting with the next season of The Bachelor, demanding one... They cast at least five diverse fat people each season. Two, give equitable, non-fat identity-focused screen time to fat contestants. Three, choose leads who say they will date diverse fat people. Four, provide support to fat contestants, including inclusive clothing options and mental health support to navigate anti-fat harassment. And five, hire fat staff and production and incorporate fat inclusion training from fat liberationists. Some big players in the nation like Katie Thurston, Rachel Lindsay, and Chelsea Vaughn posted about it. Their Instagram, Roses for Everybody, amassed 4,000 followers, and their petition has 5.4K signatures as of this reporting.
2: We posted a link to it on Game of Roses Pod Instagram. Clay C were working overtime this week, and their parasocial audiences were the beneficiaries first. They finally performed another long-awaited pizza review on Susie Evans' Reels. Quote, fun fact, I went to college only 20 minutes away from where Clayton's family lives. We technically roamed the same streets seven years before we met on the show. Even back in my college days, Missourians would ask me my opinion on Imo's. We decided to try out some St. Louis faves in town, picked up toasted ravioli and a classic Imo's pizza. It's as crispy and delicious as ever. Hashtag Imo's, hashtag Imo's pizza, hashtag St. Louis, hashtag travel foodie. The post has 13K likes and 441K views. Good job, Clay.
1: It took me that entire paragraph as you were reading it to figure out who the fuck Claycee was, because in my mind, they're suiting.
2: Oh, suiting. No. no.
1: Then Evans <laughs> stood up for her man, making a TikTok video to the keep my wife's name out your mouth sound over her in front of the Clayton bullying limo exits. Breaking in a nice 1.1 million views on TikTok. Huge.
2: All of these were stunning plays, but there can only be one winner of Parasocial play of the week. It goes to Susie Evans, aka one half of Clay. C. The next day after that TikTok we just talked about, she posted another TikTok in response to a fan asking her and Clayton to do a TikTok to the children singing Clayton Sucks in the Child Army limo exit. In it, Clay C posed in robes, towels on their heads, sunglasses, and hold champagne while lip syncing to the children's song Clayton Sucks, Clayton Sucks, Clayton Sucks. It's simple. It's effective. It jokes about it without being vicious or petty. And the TikTok has 551,000 views, 42.2K likes.
1: That's almost as many views as the season opener of Wendekia. Now, (laughs) let's move on to those parasocial plays being made by the non-humans within the nation. Sean Lowe's new pup, Gus, got an entire Instagram reel as he is making his new life with the Lowe family. That was a great play. But the parasocial creature of the week goes to Rambo, the Sylvester Stallone namesake, cheered on his dad, Hayden Markowitz, a rookie player in this season before the game opener of the Wendekia season on Monday. Rambo posted a main grid post to his own account, mind you. Rambo Markowitz has his own account. I encourage you to follow it. It's Rambo Markowitz on Instagram. This post has 95 likes, seven comments, and it is captioned. Well, someone is excited to see their dad on at Bachelorette ABC tonight, July 11th at 8, 7 central on hashtag ABC. Hmm. The post is a multi-slide main grid post of Rambo chewing on a toy with a beautiful parasocial gaze right into camera. Rambo is one of the cutest dogs you're ever going to see. Highly encourage you to go check out his Instagram account. Again, it's Rambo Markowitz.
2: Oh my God, there's there's even young Rambo on this. He's trying his stuff all through the ages.
1: <laughs> now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, You're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com roses for free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com roses. who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you to get started. You just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on first Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well. If you're doing it as a gift, it only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. Well, that wraps up all the parasocial plays by humans and non-humans this week. Now it's time to move on to that portion of our program in which Pace and I descend deep into the bottomless pit. And if you have never listened to our podcast before, the pit is what we call the state of being that we are in when The Bachelor takes over our lives. We have, in our own minds, metaphorically dug this pit as we have given in to this deep fandom, we have done hyper binges, we have written books. I don't know how many hours of content we have now created in service of discussing our beloved game, but all of it has dug this pit that we now find ourselves at the bottom of. And this is
0: Screams,
2: Screams
1: from, from the, the Pit!
2: parasocial relationships are one-sided relationships where one person extends emotional energy, interest, and time in the other party. The persona is completely unaware of the other's existence. Most common with celebrities, organizations such as sports teams, or television stars. Indeed. So in those, we're talking about Instagram, TikTok.
1: But in this section of our show, Pace Case and I discuss what we call a scream from the pit. This is a recounting of something that has happened in our lives in the past week that reminds us that the fandom of this show is in us so deep that it infects every part of our lives, sometimes detrimentally so, hopefully always comedically so. So Pace Case, this week, what is your scream from the pit?
2: My scream this week is very good.
1: (laughs) It is. (laughs) thank you for qualifying
2: sometimes they're you know sometimes they're higher quality screams than usual and this is one of those okay I'm in Minnesota you know I've left my LA life behind until August and I get a call from one of my Los Angeles friends it's a friend she doesn't normally call me pretty much she never calls me and she she calls me repeatedly I think I was driving Mm -hmm. so I pick up She hangs up the phone. I'm like, what is going on? She calls me back a couple minutes later. I know it's either an emergency emergency or it's an emergency about The Bachelor. And I was right.
1: And you think the (laughs) second thing, the emergency about The Bachelor, you have that Uh intuition because this is a friend who doesn't normally call you, but in your circle of friends, you're known as the Bachelor person.
2: Everyone in my life who knows I do a Bachelor thing, that's what they talk to me about especially if they don't have other things it is it is a blessing and a curse i would say because it's like i have to take my job after hours and i'm like i yeah. this is this is for daytime
1: i have the exact opposite thing where oh everybody my in God. my life knows what i am now that i am pure darkness uh, a swirling cyclone of bachelor facts and figures and so they are very careful to never mention it around me because they know if they do, that switch will get flipped and I will drag them straight into the bottom of the pit. So I have the opposite. No one ever talks to me about it. In fact, they try very carefully to not even get me to think about it inadvertently.
2: Unfortunately, the things I would need to say to my friends to get them to do that, I, I'm not willing to say those things. So <laughs> I'm just going to have to <laughs> grin and bear it for uh, yeah. forever. But this was a conversation. That I was Mm. actually excited about. I instinctively. I knew it. It was a bachelor emergency. It was about the bachelor. And my friend was at the Beverly Hills courthouse. And she just got married. And she was getting her marriage certificate. Yeah. Certificate. And guess who was in the marriage certificate office with her. It was Colton Underwood, <laughs> and he was picking up his marriage license. He is engaged to Jordan C. Brown, his, his fiancé. So they haven't officially gotten married, but my sources say they might be married already. They might have that certificate. And my friend, she tried to make a joke because she accidentally stood between them in the elevator leaving. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, don't worry. I've already got one. He didn't laugh. He didn't care. So he was probably stressed about being seen about being scooped up.
1: Yeah. He's he was probably like, you might have a marriage license, but you don't have a reality series on Netflix. Be gone.
2: (laughs) She I wish she had said something like, wow, I guess there was some hurdle you were able to get over. No, he got over the fence, too. No, yeah, there would have been some some joke. Sure. Oh, you got you get over every hurdle you encounter even I, bureaucracy at Beverly Hills courthouse. Am I right?
1: Nice. Nice. I like that scream, actually, because it means that the people in your life, if they have crucial information, they will give it to you immediately. Crucial information about our beloved game. I mean, yeah, that's great.
2: No, it's great. It's a it, it's a beautiful scream. Thank you to this friend for telling me this information. I love to get a scoop.
1: As do I. My scream is uh, is less involved, but uh, stranger, perhaps. I woke up two days ago, and I went into the bathroom, as I do in the mornings, and I began to brush my teeth. Occasionally, I will look at myself in the mirror. Not always, but occasionally. Okay. <laughs> and on this day, I did. And what I saw staring back at me was terrifying. For some unknown reason... <laughs> The whites of my eyes were blood red. I had to go to the doctor and I found out it's some kind of weird viral thing in my eyes. And I have to use these eye drops and all this bullshit, right?
2: Like pink eye?
1: No, it's not pink eye. The I mean, welcome to the American medical system. Did
2: someone fart on your pillow?
1: Fart on my pillow?
2: I heard that's how you get pink
1: eye. I don't think so. Not that I am aware of anyway. Jesus. But um, I have these red fucking crazy looking eyes. They're staring back at me. My first thought is <laughs> I look like back. Dark Lord Harrison. Dark Lord Harrison is what we call Chris Harrison, the, the former now exonerated or now excommunicated, sorry, uh-huh. not exonerated, former excommunicated host. of. A, In
2: what way did you look like Chris Harrison?
1: Well, I didn't look exactly like Chris Harrison. I looked like one of the memes that I always made of him where I made him have these crazy glowing red eyes. And that was my first thought. Not, Uh, what the fuck is wrong with me? I got to get to a doctor. Holy shit, my eyes look crazy. It was like, I look like Dark Lord Harrison. That's the first thing that came into my fucking mind upon seeing my own (laughs) demon red eyes staring back at me out of a fucking mirror. I wasn't even concerned about it. I was just kind of like, oh, that looks pretty cool. You look like Dark Lord Harrison. And then the secondary thought was like, what the fuck? Are you okay? Yeah. They said, take these fucking drops. It'll disappear in a couple of days. All right. All right. So I'm taking the drops.
2: Wow, what a mind F.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty big mind F. Now we're going to move on to playing one more Scream from the Pit for you. If you have listened to this program before, you know this. If you haven't, one other thing that we do in Screams from the Pit is we play a scream from someone who listens to this program. If you would like to submit your scream, it has to be a minute or under, and you go to patreon.com gameofroses where you're going to get access to, among many other things, our Discord. And on the Game of Roses Discord, there is a uh, tab where you can submit your screams. We play the best ones here and we analyze them. So we are going to play one of those for you
0: My name is Hannah, and about a month ago, I had a job interview for which I was required to submit a five-minute video recording of myself presenting a PowerPoint on Zoom. Without too much thought, I started working on a presentation about why The Bachelor is a sport. My first draft of the presentation was well over 10 minutes, and this was after I cut out slides on rose quotients, love levels, types of dates, and limo exits. I was distraught. I genuinely thought, how am I going to land this job if I only have five minutes to explain all of the game elements in detail? I finally got my shit together, and I decided to focus my PowerPoint on the season timeline. Basic enough, right? I talked about the preseason, night one, regular season, and playoffs, explaining how a player can maximize their efforts in each stage of the game to win the ring and or the crown. You know, sports stuff. Fast forward to the interview, my future manager had one question for me purely out of curiosity. How do I justify supporting and following the Bachelor franchise while considering myself a progressive, queer, identifying feminist? I laughed out loud. I had just walked myself right into needing to explain being complicit. In a way, it was cathartic. I explained everything that I found problematic about the franchise and the game, but also shared that as someone looking to one day get into the field of counseling, reality TV is a fascinating look into psychological torture people will endure for fame and love. Anyway, I got the job. I start on Monday. Praise be Lord Palmer. Wow. I love
2: this scream because you were just so prepared. Yes. You know, if you just lean into your passions and then you're obviously this person who knows so much about The Bachelor, who wouldn't hire this person? Obviously, they must know a lot about other things.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Hannah, for submitting this scream. I love hearing screams that have to do with people doing projects for their jobs that are Bachelor unrelated, (laughs) and those projects are about The Bachelor. This is a high-level scream, or should I say deep-level scream. Anytime you find yourself using The Bachelor in any circumstance where it is not only not asked for, but probably not warranted, You are deep in the (laughs) fucking pit. Make no mistake. But the fact that you were able to use that knowledge to get the fucking job, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I think this really goes to show that if you do it right, your love for our, our beloved game, your fandom of this show can get you anything you want in life. So I suggest everyone out there if you have something important to do, you're up for a job, maybe you are you have to go to court for something, turn the conversation into The Bachelor. See what happens.
2: Throw away your flashcards about, you know, mitochondria or the law or, you know architecture
1: <laughs> <laughs> architecture throw <them> away. Okay.
2: <laughs> I was just trying to think of jobs. I do yeah. have friends who are architects and I'm like, that's not real.
1: <laughs> yeah. Somebody's like, do you have that presentation for the building we asked you to build? It's just like a picture of the bachelor mansion.
2: <laughs> you throw them all away and you just learn about our beloved game. And that's all you need.
1: Indeed. But thank you, Hannah, for submitting that scream. Uh, it truly was beautiful. And again, Anybody else out there who wants to submit their screams, you just go to patreon.com gameroses Game of Roses. Join us in the bottom of the pit. You're going to get access to all of our Digging Deeper extra episodes. We're putting video in there now. If you want to see the beautiful faces mm. of Pace Case and myself as we do our podcasts, you can now do that in the Patreon. Yes. And, of course, you're going to get access to that Discord, like I said, so you can submit your screams. But that wraps up this week in Bachelor Nation. For this week, we will be back with a recap of next Monday's game, the first regular season game, which is going to be crazy, historic as everything this season will be. But we still have 29 players after a night one, which has literally never happened in Bachelor or Bachelorette.
2: Do you think they're going to have a date that is bigger than the record setting date on Matt James this season, the wedding theme date that had 18 players?
1: Yes. I mean, here's the deal. Okay. Generally speaking, in your first regular season game, you either have two group dates and a one-on-one or two one-on-ones and a group date. That Matt James season, they had two one-on-ones and one group date. That's why there were 18 Mm -hmm. players on it. So in this case, I'm assuming you have to have two one-on-ones because there's two fucking leads. They better both get a one-on-one, which means then you're going to have to have a group date or they're going to split it into two group dates. I don't know how they're going to do it, but if it's one group date... It's going to have 27 fucking people on it. I mean, (laughs) it's insane. I don't know. I don't know.
2: I think they will do two one-on-ones because they need that. And then I don't think there's time to do more than one group date. So I think it will be everyone else or it'll be, you know, a few people will have bye weeks I bet it'll be 28 people, 14 people on each football team but it's a football date and then the winners get to go to the after party.
1: Don't hold this against me, but I'd like to go back to seasons one, two, and three, that beautiful classic era where the first game of the regular season was always three equal group dates of five players apiece. What if they did uh, four group dates could they do that
2: they have to have a one-on-one
1: equal in each part two per player they don't have to they can do multiple group dates in the first game of of regular season they that's what they used to do in the classic era they can do that
2: i know i they can but they're not going to because i think the one-on-one date makes it look like this is your journey for love like you're going on an actual date it's not this chaos but I do think they might do a giant date to make a huge thing of the fact that they have so many players because that's something they're trying to play up.
1: God, what a shit show. Well, we will cover it. Whatever the fuck's is going to happen.
2: I love that we're arguing about this in the tag <laughs> of this episode. <laughs>
1: that's some deep shit when you can't stop talking about it when it's like, OK, we talked about everything, right? no. Keep arguing.
2: I know. It's like, okay, the episode's over. Let's go.
1: <laughs> okay. We don't know what's going to happen. Whatever it is, we will watch it. We will break it down for you. That episode will be available next Tuesday. Keep a lookout for that.
2: And I will maybe... So I edited the video of night one that's on our Patreon. I might do it for episode two. We'll see.
1: We will see indeed. But until then, as always, what is that dwob at?
2: It has been 7,417 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer.
1: Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast.